Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Rachel, my pronouns are they, them. The Royal Road is in the books, and now we look forward to the anniversary show. But before we get there, we've got to discuss what went down in August. New challenges, a new faction, new looks, and a lot of surprises. Let's get into it. Day one was on the 7th of August at Corican Hall. Hokuto Amore, Black Mansa Rei, Kumanore Abe, and Ryo Inoue defeated Tiger Mask, Tajiri, Rising Hayato, and Yusuke Kodama in 6 minutes and 44 seconds. Izanagi was supposed to participate in this match but had to withdraw due to positive COVID tests, and Abe took his spot. I'm going to be honest here, I'm going to start off on a negative note, but every single person in this match, I would rather them be junior champ instead of Tiger Mask. Even though Rocky Inoue, even an outsider like Abe or Kadama, I would rather than be junior champ. Cannot disagree with you there. Yeah. And we'll get into uh, the Tiger Mask defense that happened <laughs> during this tour, which I have uh, a, a lot of opinions about, actually. But um, for this particular opener on this card, I mean, this was this was a pretty good match. I thought that Kodama in particular looked excellent, but I mean, pretty much in, in anything he's in lately, he ends up being like the weird little show stealer. So um, I like this for him um, in particular. He just looks really excellent lately. Like there's just something about him where like, uh, uh, I guess for a while it felt like he was sort of like fading into the background, maybe like a couple months ago, maybe even like a little bit last year, but then like all of a sudden, like going into this year, going into the all Asia tags. And then even now, he just looks great. So I've been like really happy with uh, watching some of this, this stuff from him. Omori was also really great in this. He had a lot of his spots. Um, he had this nice punch off the ropes to Tiger Mask, and then he laid everybody out and was really playing to the crowd in this. And that came across really nicely. So yeah, this is just a really good, fun opener. And like some of these big tag on these opening shows have the propensity to not be that great because you have a lot of people wrestling a lot of different styles. But this match was super engaging to me. Everybody was working during this match. Omori and Hayato uh, had great spots and really stood out, but everyone was working and everyone really gelled. I even felt like a tiger mask actually uh, didn't feel totally out of place working this particular match. So it worked for me. Shoto Ishino, Riki Honda and Cyrus defeated Yoshitatsu, Takao Omori and Suji Ishikawa in just under seven minutes. Tajiri was on commentary for this match and oh my gosh, he talks so much. Takao hates uh, Shotaro Ashino and uh, has no patience for him, which is really funny. <laughs> Takao complaining about Ashino and Honda to Nikan Lee made me laugh a lot, and uh, that's always really good. Big crowd responses for Cyrus immediately. We've been talking about this quite a bit, but he is a good fit for all Japan fans. It's just like the Vader effect everyone's kind of talking about. People are going to love that here, so it just works out super well. I was thinking about Honda and Shotaro's shared tag team move, and I thought about Jesse because Honda definitely struggled to get to cow up here in this. And I love this move that they do together, but sometimes he does struggle with it. But Honda Spear to Takao afterward looked really good. This was a very good match, though, for me. It was quick, and um, Honda is just such a dick for antagonizing Takao, but I do love that about him. 
Rachel, all of your facial expressions are frightening me when I'm speaking. I don't no, know what I you're reacting to. I completely agree with you. No, it's, um, I, it was all agreement. <laughs> no, I almost have nothing to add. I was, um, I wanted to hit on Takawamori and um, Shotaro Ashino's bizarre little um, feud rivalry <laughs> um, thing going on. Uh, but you, you summed that up very perfectly is that uh, Takawamori just simply has no patience uh, for Ashino. And I thought that was uh, really, really fun. And then, um, Cyrus is super over. I like his interactions with Ishikawa, which we'll talk about that match in a little bit. Um, so yeah, I had nothing really to add, but trust me, all of my facial expressions are in fact in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Temura, Hikaru Sato, and Yuji Nagata defeated Suama, Kono, and Tojizo in just over 10 minutes by DQ. You know when a wrestler gets into the ring and they size up with their opponent, like getting their face and stuff? Sawama does that, but instead of a wrestler, he does it to Wada. Their feud is very much alive and heavily featured in this match. At one point, Kono grabs Wada while Sawama has a chair. Sawama goes to hit Wada, but another ref jumps in and stops him. After knocking the ref down, Sawama raises his chair once more to hit Wada, but instead he hits the already down referee and the crowd were 100% into buying Sawama was about to hit Wada. But this made me think, does Suwama have like a bit of good Suwama left in him that he didn't hit Wada? Yes. I I (laughs) loved this match. I was losing my mind during this match. I thought this was a fantastic tag because this was all just propelling that storyline forward. And what we saw is, you know, Suwama made a big thing. He acted like he was going to, you know, give uh, Wada that chair shot. And Wada stepped up like he was going to take that chair shot, which looked like something else, right? That looked pretty wild. My God, uh, Kyohei Wada is too old for the shit, but he, he, but he yeah. stepped up like he was going to take that chair shot. And Suwama couldn't do it because he's not like that. He's the evil executive director right now, but there's still that like shred of humanity inside of that man. He's still, you know, evolution Suwama, the A Suwama, like, you know, at the heart of him. And I just like adore that character development. I love that peak at Suwama. And we'll talk about, you know, things going into the end of the month and what we might've seen if things kind of hadn't gone awry with sort of uh, stuff going on with Wada. But I loved this development in their story. Um, I love the drama of it. It's like a little bit sports entertainment for all Japan, but this is such an all Japan story and it just works for me. I, I adored this. I even thought that, you know, aside from all of the, the voodoo murder stuff, they tortured Dan again, they were hitting him with that belt. But I thought that Dan looked really good in this, you know, trying to rally against Suwama and then there was also those moments where like Wada shook Sato's hand at one point because there's just like total uh, concerted effort against Suwama and his bullshit. And like Wada is going to side with like the other wrestlers, other wrestlers over that stuff. So yeah, I loved every second of this. Just very linear storyline, super easy to follow. So yeah, I can't wait to see where this takes us because we're going somewhere with the voodoo murder stuff, right? Like we're eventually going to hit like the peak and we'll see what happens from there. But I love knowing that there is definitely this like, little bit of like the ace Suwama evolution Suwama still in there that he couldn't hit um (laughs) Wada with the chair he had to take it out on like the worst ref we have in um in all Japan for voodoo murders bullshit which I'll talk about later as well (laughs) yeah no I know exactly what you're talking about um no I I definitely I bought into it the chair moment because of all the like 
bizarrely intense bumps Wada had taken last month, I absolutely, <laughs> I a hundred percent believe that this man was going to take that chair shot. Like just the, the mark in me, but also like the annoying person who's like, oh yeah, no, he would definitely take that. And uh, he didn't because of this big, dramatic, almost anime, like sports entertainment's a really good term for it as well, just moment. And um, I think that really speaks to what is sort of going on in all Japan right now, as far as storytelling wise and booking wise, you have this over the top, larger than life drama sort of intersecting with these human stories. And we will definitely talk about that later in the month as well, when we get into sort of the factions and things like that. So um, high fantasy, I believe is the term that we have been using <laughs> and we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that too, but you got that high fantasy feeling from this match. You have this big, evil, big, bad guy who now has the belt, but is there still good left in him? And it, it's just very fantastical and dramatic. I love this match. I thought this match was great. I thought Sato did fantastic. Um, Dan looked great. I think we're hitting a turning point where Dan is uh, no longer just the punching bag, but kind of looks strong in his own way. And we're going to see that later on in the month as well. I like that Wada is involved in a storyline. I know some people get sick of him. He hogs the spotlight sometime in matches. But I like that he's a storyline in the 50th anniversary. He is part of the company. He is all Japan. So for him to have this storyline and not only be involved in the storyline, but be involved with a storyline involving the Triple Crown champion, that's huge. We talked about that last month, didn't we? Um, and I think that's that very much goes into it, is that uh, Wada is a piece of all Japan and having him in this story with Suwama, who's also a piece of all Japan is very important. And I think I actually have some notes later on. I forget which match I have these notes in, but I, I wrote some notes about Nikon Lee because I just, I love her, her roughing style. And I, and I love that she's a part of this company, but I just, I really love Wada being a part of this because I, and I, I talk about this at nauseum all the time. I think Rachel's probably sick of me, but having Kyohei Wada still refing is a big deal. Having Shu Nishinaga at Noah around is still a big deal. You have these refs that, that worked with Joe Higuchi um, that are all a part of like this other, um, or rather this, this, you know, important lineage of all Japan pro wrestling. And once we don't have Wada anymore, once we don't have Nishinaga anymore, this really important style of refing is just sort of gone. And, you know, I, I don't know that we have a lot of really excellent refs around to sort of carry the torch. So it does mean a lot that Wada is still able to do these types of storylines and still participate the way that he does. And, you know, Nikon Lee, though, certainly I'll talk about her later. We do have someone here who can kind of carry the torch when he's gone, but it just, it'll be different when we lose Wada. So um, lose Wada to retirement, I should say. So it's, you know, it's good to have him be a part of these things while he's still actively a part of the day-to-day in all Japan. Before we get back to the wrestling, we had some special announcements for the Budokan show. Rookie Yuma Anzai will make his debut on the show. The Sato twins, June and Ray, will return from excursion and also compete. The first match has been decided. Asushi Onita, Masanobu Fuchi, and Shiru Koshinaka will face a team of Great Kojika, Yoshiaki Yatsu, and Masao Inoue. Minoru Suzuki, Yuji Nagata, and Tiger Mask will appear on the show. Two special international guests were announced, Christopher Daniels from AEW and Joe Doreen from Impact. 
Christopher Daniels is the head of AEW Talent Relations, so we could see something there. And Joe, of course, has history in all Japan, being a two-time Triple Crown champion and a four-time tag team champion, and just the best. We are so happy to see Joe back. I'm like so beyond thrilled that Joe will be a part of this in some way. And I'm really excited about the old guys match, really. And I think Wada also is going to have a special role in that match. It's just great to have those people on the card, everyone with such history to this company. I mean, it's it's exciting. Those are going to be the moments during the show that really make the show feel like the 50th anniversary. So thrilled about some of these announcements. It's just awesome. Now it's finally time to get into the Royal Road matches. Jake Lee defeated Ren Ayabe in 11 minutes and 54 seconds. One little negative I will point out in this match and the other matches Jake is in, he brought back that stupid evil laugh that should have stayed gone forever. I know some people like it, but I don't like it. I really liked Ayabe. I think he had a good showing. He got a ton of offense in and the trio of drop kicks he did towards the end of the match, I thought that was excellent. He still has a little polishing to go, but you have to remember he's only two years into his career. He literally had his two-year debut anniversary coming up on the 2nd of September. Jake moves into round two. I don't think him winning was ever in doubt. Yeah, this was a great little match. I was so happy with this. I felt like Ayabe rose to the occasion Jake set for him in some of the matches leading into this one. And this is, you know, one of the best Ayabe matches I've seen in all Japan. He just has a world of potential in him and he just I just thought he looked fantastic here it was really exciting to see him in this I know we've talked about this before but I really would love to see him get signed in January I feel like he could just really you know make a name for himself on this roster and we'd be lucky to have him I thought Jake was on form here too the knee selling he was doing was a little scary and he played this up on Twitter too it definitely played a role in some of his later matches as well that like that scary knee selling but yeah this was this was good this was a really good start to the tournament Yeah, I agree. I think Ren looked incredibly strong. I think that uh, we say it again and again, like you said, that he would just do really well in All Japan if he were to sign full time. I actually didn't know or register that he was only two years into his career until you said that, Jesse. So I've learned something because I wouldn't have been able to guess like he really, really um, was shining very brightly in this match and he just has a lot of potential and I want to see him grow and I'd love to see him grow in all Japan always the sucker for the winner sustaining in like an injury and selling it early on into the tournament and then having to go through the tournament with that injury so Jake selling that knee was scary but it was uh at least very uh, traditionally dramatic very tournament like so I enjoyed it to that extent I was like oh now we have a storyline like that kind of thing it's actually funny the person who owns just have out where Ayabe works uh Taka Michinoku he's actually in my state right now I oh, kind of really? want to go to the show he's on and say like can you please let Ayabe go you know he's, he's really just not that good of investment you should just let him go to all japan how about that? i'm kidding he I'm sucks kidding. <laughs> <laughs> next up takui namura defeated aski oyagi in 11 minutes and 52 seconds i thought this match was a clash of styles but it works so well Nomura has already impressed all Japan fans this year when he was in the Champion Carnival and continues to impress here. These two were just so good. I love this match so much. Asuki was on his game. He didn't pitch a perfect moonsault, but he literally looks like he's floating through the air. His fancy pin that almost got the win on Naoya Nomura last month almost got the win on Takuya Nomura this month. 
yeah, these two work really well together despite having such different styles. It was a very technical matchup at times. I think Atsuki is a lot more well-rounded than I actually give him credit for. And uh, maybe I've made that mistake with Nomura as well, but this match worked really well because Takuya worked to keep Atsuki grounded. Um, and anytime Nomura catches a leg and turns it into the ankle lock, it just looked so good. And obviously works really well with someone like Atsuki because of the nature of Atsuki's moveset. But they were so evenly matched at points despite being in um, in different weight classes too. But um, the ending stretch was absolutely stunning and just unbelievable stuff with Atsuki even kicking out after getting smashed with that lariat. I had no idea who was going to take that for a minute. Like I, I really, like I could have been convinced easily that Atsuki was going to move into the next round based off of his performance in that match. But this night, I think even still was like my favorite night of the tournament. It was like one of my favorite nights of wrestling I've watched this year. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Even like the opening tags, like just playing into the, the, you know, the tournament matches. I just thought this show was great, but these, these opening matches were all fantastic for different reasons. Even the main for the spectacle <laughs> of it. We'll talk about that in a minute, but this uh, this match with Atsuki and Nomura, I mean, like, go out of your way to watch it because it was it was truly breathtaking. This was not my favorite night of the tour, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But it really was uh, an excellent show, like just top to bottom, really, really good. I thought this match was exceptional. I've spoken, I think, before of matches that are just really simple stories told very well. And this is 100% one of them. You just have your like basics wrestling versus flashy high flying wrestling. And they just told it perfectly. They did, did it really well, did it very quickly. It's just easy to watch the last, what, like six, five, six minutes of that match. The ending stretch is just really, really fast and really good. Um, like you said, Alicia, I did not know who was going to win. I managed to avoid Twitter and watch it and unspoiled. And I was really, really glad I did for this match. Naoya Nomura defeated Yuma Ayagi in just under 17 minutes. One great Nomura Ayagi match followed by another one. What can I really say? This match was amazing. Their hatred between these two make for such a great matchup and their history just adds another layer to it. The spear Yuma took that uh, threw him into the guardrail looked bad. The end game that he locked on Nomura was great. I thought it was another way to lock in end game. Yuma's always coming up with new ways to lock in end game. After the match, Nomura asked for one more match with Yuma. In the last two single matches, Nomura and Yuma have each won one. This is outstanding, and I have yet to stop thinking about it since it happened. This is um, definitely one of my favorite matches of the year so far. So I, I really, I adored this match. Yuma hit that classic rookie arm drag on Nomura in the beginning too, which kind of rocked. And also Yuma is so blonde, he looks nuclear. I don't know what's going on with that hair, but he needs to win. <laughs> but yeah. irregardless, Naoya was just so violent. Like his spear to Yuma was incredible. They really just like took my breath away. They were just just brutal bastards to each other. And it was just perfect. The ending stretch was nuts with the pace. Nomura again was just like super scary. And the back and forth like trading of pinfalls and the sheer like violence once again just made this match such an experience and everything I would have wanted it to be at this stage uh, during the opening night of Royal Road. And this was a tough match because I didn't want either of them to lose um, but I was pulling for Yuma, but it didn't really matter because Nomura winning was just incredible. And it's just, you know, an, an amazing moment from where we were in December 2021, thinking that he just walked out of all Japan for good to now and then having this moment between the two of them and Nomura getting his hand raised. So, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, obsessed with this one. It was a great match. 
yeah, nothing really to add. I thought it was a fantastic match. You could really feel the history, the backstory, the grudge um, between them. Yuma just threw himself into a lot of those bumps. Um, he, They were going at it. It was just a very, very intense uh, match. And I was actually pulling for Naoya. I realized about like halfway through that I really wanted Nomura to win. And I felt a little bit like I had betrayed you guys, but that was okay. <laughs> Because I knew you'd be happy either way, <laughs> but but I was just like, oh no, I don't want you to win this. And then um, and then now you pulled it out, but it was yeah, it was really really intense. Like I said, I had no idea who was going to come out of it, and the ending stretch was perfect. It was very similar to the match before in that way, but I did kind of like this match a little better. In the main event, Kento Miyahara defeated Taro in twelve minutes. This was the match that if Kento lost, he had to join Voodoo Murders. The stars of this match in order were Kento, the little kid at ringside, Ryzen Haito, Suama, Kohei Wada, Voodoo Murders, and then last, Taro. Let's talk about the crying kid for a second in case you missed it. Basically, there was a kid in the front row of the tiered seating with what I assume was his dad and older brother. Taro was beating Kento up in front of him, shoving Kento's face in the kid's face, and he started to cry. I felt so bad for this kid. That poor traumatized baby having to watch Taru choke Kento with a muffler towel. Just awful. I hated how, I hated how hard I laughed. <laughs> it was so, I've never like, like, like laughing, but also like genuinely horrified. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. It was like, it came out of me. Like, I couldn't stop it. I was like, oh no. Just a level of sadism I didn't know I was capable of. And Taru and I are not friends, but he like that was some old school heel shit like he really leaned into that moment and like ruined that kid's night (laughs) it was like one moment where you could see him pulling back like maybe I went a little too far and then like he goes right back to it oh my god this poor baby funny hopefully his uh his dad or brother or whatever got him ice cream and comforted him afterwards says he did a great job added a lot to the match if I'm gonna be honest (laughs) with you what I mean the kid was the star after yeah Kento. you're right right after <laughs> Kento and that's that's actually very hard to uh get close to Kento in terms of stardom because he really did a uh fantastic job all things considered in this match afterwards Suama comes in the ring and offer Kento another chance to join Voodoo Murders Suama extends his hand Haito comes in the ring and this is where I start to freak out I'm like oh because now there's two people in the ring something's going to happen someone's going to join Voodoo Murders Kento kicks Haito, throws him out of the ring. He has this evil look on his face. You can like he's just playing it up, but he looks at Soama, boots in the face, and calls him an idiot. <laughs> this that's is like our ace. That's our ace, man. <laughs> Kento Miyahara is the ace. That was so good. Like, short of him just joining Voodoo Murders, this was the best possible outcome. I loved it. I loved every single moment of that. Him calling Suama Baka, like immediately after, like he threw him out of the ring. That was great. Perfect. Excellent. And then giving like one of his most unhinged promos to the crowd of this year. Just absolutely like chaos from like start to finish. The only person that like really got screwed in all this was Hayato. And even then he pulls Hayato back in and he was like, wasn't that a fun little ruse that we did? And I was like, yeah, sure, buddy. Like, oh yeah, a ruse. Yeah, (laughs) We, we sure got him. Was- oh my god and then they went back to that i because I, I was i thought he would go back to the kid and make it right 
because Kento is Kento, Kento loves kids. He goes, I don't know what was wrong with him. He goes back to the kid and just ruins the kid's night again because he forces Hayato to take off his shirt. He's going to give it to the kid and then puts the shirt on himself and walks away. He did that twice. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with him? Like truly unhinged behavior from Miyahara Kento that night. Just stunning. Oh God. But it was good. I thought that this, you know, this all worked really well. We didn't have to see Taru advance, whatever, by Taru, like all done, you know, (laughs) Suama was all pissy. That's also very funny. You know, it all, it all worked out. I thought it, I thought it was really funny. And I, (laughs) Captain Lou gave that match three stars. Kento got three stars out of Taru. I think that's an achievement as far as the Captain Lou rating scale goes. The only star ratings that actually matter. uh, Yeah. Because they are scientifically uh, endorsed. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. They're the only ones we believe in here. I'll link to the, to the review in the show notes. I would absolutely love if this little kid starts to wrestle and it's like his origin story. He has to oh be Kento. He has to retire Kento. <laughs> Old man Kento. He shows up and he's like, do you remember me? Incredible. I'm going to take that shirt off your body. Day two was on the 11th at Nagoya International Conference Center. We start off with a Royal Road match. Shoto Ishino defeated Dan Tamura in 10 minutes. This match was fine. I thought it never really got into the second gear. I love these two, but they look good. This was very much an Ashino match with a nice Dan comeback mixed in and thought Dan sold the leg and ankle perfectly. I completely agree with you, Jesse. It never like hit that second gear, but I thought that this match was interesting to think about from like a storyline perspective and the way that Ashino interacts with Dan and just coming off of like all of that stuff with Ashino leaving evolution very, very suddenly and giving us like absolutely no warning. And then moving into his new faction, which is great. We have a name update. We'll talk about that later on in the episode. But what was interesting is that he, like the way that um, Ashino looks at Dan right now, he looks at him with like a little bit of disdain, you know, which I think is really interesting. He wouldn't shake his hand at all during this match, which is, which is um, also kind of compelling. And it went you know, we, we went quickly from Ashino having this pact with Dan and Sato to Ashino leaving them. And now, like, just he has wants nothing to do with Dan or and really for, with Sato either. And with Dan, he just comes across as, like, super dismissive. And I think that it is ultimately, even though it is kind of confusing and we're never going to get any kind of, like, resolution to our questions around why any of that happened the way that it did, I do think it's a good thing because Dan can use that. Dan does get fired up by Ashino treating him like a bit of a young boy. And on Twitter, he has, if I remember correctly, described Ashino leaving them as a betrayal. So there are clearly some future storyline implications in these interactions, which is always going to be a little weird because we went from zero to a hundred on the kind of, you know, behavior interaction between them. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I feel the same way. I think I was most looking forward to this match for that kind of interaction and to see sort of any storyline implications there so therefore I walked out of this match pretty pleased because it did feel like there was some tension that they could maybe go back to as far as the match itself it's clear that they work together and knew how to work together like they've they've practiced together before but I think Jesse said it the best they didn't quite kick it into the gear it could have been but um you know things like handshakes and how Ashino was downright dismissive 
of Dan, you know, these are things that can come into play later. And uh, I think that is probably the most important takeaway from this match. Takao Mori defeated Ricky Honda in six minutes and 48 seconds. I was really surprised Honda lost here. I definitely thought he would win. This leads to a Amori title shot, which we'll get to a bit later. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I did not think he was going to win. I thought because he recently lost to uh, Ishikawa in a singles match that we'd see the trend continue and he would also lose to his senior in Takao Mori. So that didn't surprise me at all, actually. And I, and I don't really mind it either. I, I think what we're supposed to be seeing in Ryuki Honda right now is that even though he's having a fantastic kind of coming out year and he is one of the youngest or is the youngest rather tag team champion in all Japan history. And he's got this great partnership with Ashino. I think we are meant to still see him as someone who has to prove himself at the singles level. So he's still proving himself against his seniors and he's still going to take these losses against his seniors. So that didn't bother me so much, but I did think that this was a fine match. I mean, Takao came like out right away, just being explosive. And I love to see that from him. He was definitely looking to like stick his boot up Honda's ass for being just the worst lately. And so it worked to that end. And like Takao is just so great in the way that he can like throw, you know, an ax bomb or any minutes, just take your fucking head off. Like he's just fantastic in that way. And I thought that Honda did a really good job bringing the intensity here because he likes to antagonize. So yeah, this just, this just worked for me. It was, it was a good quick match. Yeah. I did really like this a lot actually. So yeah, worked for me. Yeah. I thought this match could have gone either way when I was watching it. I um, had, I think I had watched this one spoiled. So I already knew who had won, but even then I think it was a pretty, a pretty even like, oh, well they could put Honda over, but they could, you know, keep going with Amori and I'm glad that they did for reasons we'll talk about in a little bit with the title challenge, but also to play into this almost just irritation that lack of patience, I think is the best way to describe it, that Takao has with Honda and Oshino, that you can see this very similar relationship that he holds with both the tag team champions. And that's huh. going to come and bring in another impatient man he could bring in to help him some some these younger guys who's irritated at the youths and can beat up a young guy that's right maybe someone like really petty that holds weird grudges a great big bald man even yeah that would be wild (laughs) really uh makes my heart sets it aflame you could say it's a burning burning no mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. anyway we'll get into that later what are we gonna do if it's not anyway uh, <laughs> well the un- only other person no we'll get into it later i'm sorry no, I, I, all i want to talk about is that but we can't talk about it right now yeah <laughs> okay let's get the uh, i'm not cutting it either okay. <laughs> oh no <laughs> okay toshizo suama and kono defeated black men so ray hikaru satu and rhea inue in 11 minutes and 41 seconds um this tag was a mess they just this tag was a mess um there was immediate brawling on the outside suama was being a bastard fan to the ref um he on the way out he immediately ripped apart a barricade and like really ripped it apart because he was just being a bastard fan but suama's theme it took me a while to figure out whose theme was whose in voodoo murders suama's theme is fucking awesome that theme goes hard i mm. love that theme i love it um it's so good it's so good the ending was chaos with more brawling because Kono pinned anyway. Kono makes me, he just annoys me because he's so lazy about how he approaches everything. But Suwama was attacking the ref 
and it was just like more chaos but what killed me about like this tag and it's the only thing that's significant about this tag is that um (laughs) they had the empty gas can out there with them and suwama took the empty gas can and he threw it at sato on the outside right and it bounced and hit the like it hit the barricade bounced and went into the crowd and then Ludo Murders gets onto the stage and they're like doing their thing. They're like about to walk through the curtain and the crowd like just deposited the empty gas can right back onto the stage for Suwama to take with him on the way out. Loved it. Best part of the tag. It was. <laughs> I, I, now that you mentioned that, I do remember that. I do think that was probably the only part of that match I really remember though. I messaged you like what yeah. had happened to tell you what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for it to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Jake Lee, Yuma Oyagi, and Asuke Oyagi defeated Kento Miyahara, Rising Hayato, and Oji Shiba in 14 and a half minutes. Poor Oji, caught up in the middle of all this next dream drama. I feel so bad for him. But I have been liking him in All Japan recently. I know he has had a couple of injuries in his career, but fingers crossed he remains injury-free. I think he could be a good hand in the junior division. After this match, Hayato and Kento got into a chop fight before Kento ends it by hugging Hayato, who didn't want to hug him at all. They have really been on edge lately with Kento's treatment of Hayato, so this was bound to happen. Later on that day, Hayato said he'll be free and no longer under Kento, but work freely beside him, and he will soon show the real him. Aye, aye, aye. This match Probably had not a... to talk about that yet. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard. This match was fantastic in the way that like pretty much all like next stream fans are. You know, it just worked. It just, fa- it just was a lot of fun. Kento found a little boy to perform for right away. So he was always going to have a great match because of that. This match was really funny too, because Jake caused such a stir because he wore his hair down the whole time during that match, rather than keeping it tied up. And the Otsunekis were losing their minds on Twitter. And it was really fun to read the tweets of everyone reacting to this. And then Jake made the most deadpan Jake Lee comment on this on Twitter afterward. You can't, like, it's never a dull moment on All Japan Otsuneki Twitter. Lots of stuff going on over there. So, yeah. So I, I just thought this was really a good match. Asuki at one point avoided that double team maneuver of Kento and Hayato so that they get people within the corner, which caused Kento just like to fall off the apron. This was super slick of Atsuki. But to your point, Jesse, this really showed how out of sync Kento and Hayato were coming into this because of what Kento did to Hayato, you know, during uh, the whole Taru episode. Like they were just completely not on the same page anymore. And they were squabbling a little bit in the corner. And we normally see them on the same page. They have great teamwork the two of them Hayato and Kento but they they definitely teased some discord on Twitter and it was obvious that Hayato was very frustrated with Kento after what happened Hayato and Kento got into it after an accidental kick and Hayato slapped him so this was just you know messy messy next stream drama but I really did enjoy this a lot and forcibly hugging him was just uh quite the scene so yeah this was um a lot of fun yeah that hug was absolutely incredible that was incredible stuff. Um, Hayato wriggling like a cat who didn't want to be held. <laughs> it was absolutely, or actually probably more like a, um, I'd say more like a grade school student who didn't want to be hugged by his mom in front of his friends. That was probably more accurate to how he, <laughs> how he reacted to that. And um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I actually really like this match. Uh, Atsuki and Hayato, always, I say it every month, are just phenomenal uh, against each other. I thought Oji uh, did a really good job. I really liked uh, him and Jake especially. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought this was a really good match and um 
Kento was just having the time of his life as usual, uh, performing for whatever child he could find. And uh, yeah, it was it was very next dream, very flavored, had some storyline implications and uh, it was great. Jake looked very handsome. What more could you ask for? Honestly, that's the perfect match. So yeah, I forgot to mention Jake's hair. I was one of those people freaking out. It's so good. It's so perfect. Honestly, we'll probably mention it again. Because I think there were some storyline implications to his hair as well. Was there? Yes. I think that he looked so handsome that he drove Rising Hayato to insanity. And that's why he showed up <laughs> the way he did in the next show. And we'll talk about that. Uh, I just think it's worth it if you go back to the day and look at Jake's tweet. Because he just tweeted like the most Jakely thing ever. Which was like, it's sometimes easier to wear your hair down rather than to wear your hair up. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, we he know had to like, acknowledge it. He had to acknowledge it, but he couldn't just be like, yeah, I know like all the Otanekis are saying that I look cute. Like, he yeah, I say know, like I that. look good, don't yeah. I know. He couldn't no. do that. Next up is the junior title match. Tiger Mask defeated Hokuto Amore in just under 13 minutes. Amore came out wearing a horse mask and that alone should have won him the belt. It was so <laughs> funny. He had some fancy new tights that said Wolf Moon of Rebellion. Tiger Mask did Tiger Mask things. But finally, the person who we all wanted to challenge for the belt has. Asuki came out and said he was the last bastion for all Japan. So this match <laughs> had a lot of problems. I did not like this match. And this made, this made me a little sad in the end because I wanted Hokuto Amori to have a better showing in this to really demonstrate um, how much he's grown this year and why he was given this title shot. But we did not get that in this match. I thought the pace was off from the beginning. Wada, weirdly enough, became the third man in this match, but his role in it made the match more plotting and just much more confusing. I did not like, I did not like this at all. The crowd got like pretty silent in this because I think that there's a difference between like COVID protocol silent and then true silence. And there was some true silence that occurred in this match. And I did not like that at all for them. But this match never got out of first gear. The way they put it together was really awkward. I hated the stuff that happened on the outside when they were like getting onto the stage and stuff. It just did not work. Um, and again, it's a shame because it didn't show off how good Amori has gotten and all his talent. Um, he had some great suplexes at the end, but otherwise this match didn't feel well thought out or cohesive. Him and Tiger Masters didn't gel. There was no chemistry there. So there wasn't going to be a lot, I think, there for them to go off of. But Atsuki being our Budokan challenger and there being an, an Aoyagi who has, I think, quite a good chance of walking out as champion at the Budokan show. That is a big deal. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Really, the biggest takeaway here is that we do, in fact, get Otsuki at the Budokan, which is more than we could probably possibly ask for there. And I really, really, really do think that he is walking out the victor. I would be absolutely shocked if he wasn't. Like, it just feels right. I know that we would have preferred it to be Sato and it should have been Sato. As long as we can have this passing of the torch moment, I think that we've uh, they've done something right here. Two things. If you want to see a good Hokuto Amari challenge for the junior belt, go watch him, the Sato from Champions Night 3, I believe. That match is so good. And kind of what you were talking about um, earlier, Alicia, with fans being silent. The fans have turned on Tiger Mask and somewhat Nagata. I shared a tweet in our group chat. Yeah. I was just looking for it then. And it basically said, it's like you haven't grown. You haven't learned anything since you devalued the IWGP junior belt. Go home, Tiger. 
written in English, no less. Yeah. Like the go home tiger. Part. It was so explicit. And like we've talked about, I think on maybe the previous episode, like with all Japan fans and talking about the promotion, you don't always get really explicit criticism, at least that I've found. And I do spend a lot of time translating tweets. Um, so to see that kind of explicit criticism was really interesting, but also not surprising. Yeah, I think this match kind of killed the crowd. Um, and this crowd wasn't phenomenal. Um, all Japan crowds can be really, really active, even with COVID protocols. And sometimes you get venues where they can cheer. And that's very, very uh, audible. But yeah, this crowd was not in it and i think this uh match definitely sort of quelled that a lot even more so but uh the next match they came a little more alive so we can talk about that a little bit oh yeah the fans love the next match and it was cyrus who defeated suji ishikawa in 11 and a half minutes this was big men doing big men stuff they made cyrus look so strong here I said last month that I wish they kept the body slam spot until this match, but I was so wrong because they brought out all new spots. Mm-hmm. Cyrus busted out a cannibal, a choke slam, and with the help of the rookie Yuma, he did a top rope moonsault. Shuji also threw Cyrus off the top turnbuckle, which got a really big reaction out of the crowd. Like there was just some really crazy spots. Yeah, I mean, this match gave Cyrus the ability to do all of his big man spots. This match had some of the bigger reactions of the day. Um, and getting the win over Shuji is a pretty big opener for someone coming into the promotion. So in that way, it works. I think everyone was happy with this. And it's not really my style of match. So definitely not one of my personal favorites of the tour, but effective in what they're trying to do with Cyrus. I actually like Cyrus's other match, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, Cyrus also had a very interesting backstage on on this show as well with uh, confronting Kento backstage, who would become uh, his opponent for the next show. I was secretly hoping for a Suji win. I wanted a rematch from Suji and Kento because I just love their mm-hmm. champions. Like, rematch so much. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this match. Uh, I think I'd mentioned before, like all of their preview tags have been really, really good. And uh, they threw out some really crazy spots. I'm not sure that it stuck with me. I don't know if I was just sort of deflated from the match before as well. But um it yeah it was it was a pretty good match the moonsault was very fun the audience was really really stoked for it so that sort of got my got my blood pumping there but yeah it was it was a good match i definitely agree that um cyrus's next match in this tournament was uh far and far and above his better one in the main event, Yuji Nagata defeated Yoshitachu in 14 minutes and 22 seconds. This was a good main event. I don't think anyone was expecting anything spectacular, but it was nice. I feel like in this match and Nagata's second match, his opponents were both trying to prove himself against him. Yoshitatsu here was a young lion in New Japan while Nagata was his senior. They teamed together quite a few times and wrestled each other until Tatsu left New Japan. It was a good match for all the reasons you said, Jesse, that theme of these guys wanting to prove themselves against Nagata. It really did come across. And for that reason, I I, I did actually kind of like this match. This wasn't my favorite uh, well, I said what my, what my favorite night probably was. This night was probably my least favorite night of the tour. But this match did work because it was so hard hitting because Tatsu was really trying to prove himself against Nagata. It was definitely more interesting than I thought it was going to be a lot more compelling. Nagata ended up being a really good addition to this tour. And I think that you can see why in this match with Tatsu and also in his second match with uh, Shotaro Ashino, which we'll talk about momentarily. Yeah, I did not expect anything from this match. I really didn't. I didn't 
really know why it was the main event and then I watched it and I actually I was pleasantly surprised I think just like both of you guys it was really good um Yoshitatsu really brought it and uh yeah it was it was good and I like this sort of running um theme sort of what Nagata brings to the promotion is uh heating up the uh other roster members and I think that's really what his role should be and we'll talk about that later on because I do think that in some ways he has succeeded in that Day three was on the 14th of August at Shinkiba First Ring. Before we get into the wrestling, I know we all want to talk about it, we have to mention that there was cheering in this show. Not regular cheering like audience shouting people's names, but it was much louder than a regular crowd and it added just so much to the show. Oh yeah, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they they definitely, uh, they definitely picked the right uh, show to introduce this and get the you know tell the audience that they could be loud and that was good and I I do wonder if it has the venue as well because Shinkaba first ring has always been sort of known for having more of that um I guess party atmosphere that's where that they hold the beer gardens and things like that for DDT so um that is something to keep in mind as well but I really 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 loved the atmosphere of the show it was fantastic Dan Tamura and Hikaru Sato versus Ryzen Hayato and Yoshitatsu went to a 10-minute draw. The match was fine, whatever, it was a draw. The one thing we have to talk about is Hayato's new look. It is absolutely amazing. I love it. The makeup, the hair, the earrings, the colored contacts. He's kind of like a narcissistic ladies' man. After the match, he said that this was the real him and he was hiding this. And also, he's the best-looking guy in all Japan. On Twitter, he also wrote all Japan. guy in his 20s. <laughs> he made the distinction best looking guy in his 20s because then he'd he run into like Kento, Kento and Jake <laughs> Kento and Jake pouring <laughs> him back <laughs> my god he also said on Twitter all Japan is going to be full of girls from now on so there better be a women's only sec- uh, section and cheers to his new beginning Rachel give me every thought in your head please so first off Captain Lou calls him an e-boy and I think that's perfect <laughs> I I love him. <laughs> I lost my absolute mind. I wasn't like, I think you sent me pictures, Alicia, and I lost my entire mind over this. Like, I could not believe it. When I watched the show, I just could not stop like chanting <laughs> in my head. But yeah, no, he, um, I, I thought he looked great and I thought it was a good showcase for this new attitude. I thought the match was good. I really, the chops, the chops were chopping. Um, they were, they felt even extra loud. I thought uh, Dan and Hayato worked phenomenal together and it just seemed like a really good showcase for Hayato. I like his um, new speaking style. He speaks a little effeminately. He calls people like, um, like Yoshitatsu-chan, um, Dan Chan and um, things like that. And it has a little bit of a flirty feel to it. He's sort of flirting with the audience as well. And um, yeah, he's he's really taken to this persona immediately. And I thought that was really, really cool. And yeah, I blame, I blame Jake Lee's hair for this. <laughs> I think that uh, he saw what it was doing to the Otaneki and he took that personally. And then more than anything, I blame Kento Miyahara for everything in general in life but especially for this <laughs> i think we've mentioned that hayato was taking on some kentoisms 
in the previous months and that we could see his uh, tutelage showing in Hayato. And I think it just got in him and it corrupted him. And now we're here with this e-boy in cute white pants terrorizing all the women of all Japan. And we have no choice but to thank him for it. So here we are. Yeah, this was good. I think that um, <laughs> on that note, I think I think why it works too is um, he looks a little bit more mature now in the oh, pants yeah. and getting away from his previous costume. And I think he needed that. He just looks a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I don't know how practical the earrings are going to be in the long run because he lost one in that first match and he constantly had to pick it up for him. And then he couldn't get it back in. And that was his whole post-match you know, thing that he gave was just like him trying to get the earring back in and he couldn't do it. But yeah, he, this was interesting. Um, he, I think, and I, I think I wrote this in my notes for later on in the month. He's, or no, maybe not later on in the month. I think I noticed it when I was watching him uh, in late, but he's got a, he's got to work, I think on uh, the fine tuning of the character and like hitting his spots with how he, uh, I guess, I don't know how to talk about this all of a sudden. He's got to work on some of the fine tuning of how he does like his spots when he's like, you know, the body language of how he does it in the ring. I think he'll get there, but this was, it was interesting. And I thought what was really nice about this, this match, him and Dan are so great with each other, no matter what it gives Dan a new little rivalry. Like they, they're always sort of like a little rivalry within each other, but like now it's like a new little rivalry because you have this new compelling character in Hayato that Dan has to react to. And you can see that in this match. I thought they were really compelling and really great in this. And then having obviously the crowd, as we talked about, like behind Hayato in this, they loved every second of this. And if you didn't have, they were feral for it. If they didn't, if you didn't have the crowd, like audibly reacting to everything Hayato did during this match, it wouldn't have uh, that kind of debut of this new gimmick would not have uh, made quite as much of an impact. So yeah, I think this works for him. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I like that he bursts through that curtain knowing that like, oh, this crowd can cheer. So I'm going to make them react. And there was just a really good level of confidence. I I absolutely adore it. I could talk, I just could talk about it all day. <laughs> now, I think this month he'll be finding out what works and what doesn't work and fine tuning his character. But yep. like I said, I love it. I this is such a perfect character for him, especially since he was tagged with Kento. He's taking on, you know, Kentoisms, like you said. It's just great. Black Mensa Ray defeated Izanagi and Tajiri in five minutes and 25 seconds. It was good to see Izanagi back after missing a couple of shows due to COVID. Black Mensa Ray gets a double pin, pinning both Tajiri and Izanagi at the same time and picks up momentum for his title match on the next show. Um, I thought this was fine. It's like a variation of a match we always see seemingly. But I wish that they hadn't muted Black Benzo Ray's theme because he like popped the shit out of this crowd and it would have been nice to hear them reacting to him the whole way through. So that was my only thing. It's a shame they muted his theme because the crowd was going nuts for him. Yuma Oyagi and Asuki Oyagi defeated Ricky Honda and Yusuke Kadama in just under 10 minutes. Yuma being Yuma came out in sunglasses to mock Honda and it was very funny. Not only does he have the sunglasses, but he also has a little case for them, which I appreciate so much. I thought that was a nice little touch. <laughs> It was a shame that Konama didn't wear his sunglasses, but other than that, I thought this was a good little match. Yeah, this was uh, the sunglasses thing. It's, uh, it's fun. I like that he wore them to antagonize Honda and Kodama. Kodama was reacting like right away. 
Um, and it's always funny when people bitch to Nikon Lee about someone else's behavior, like Wakanda complaining about Yuma, which was just <laughs> funny. And I wanted to mention something that Captain, this is a very heavy Captain Lou episode, apparently. I wanted to mention something that Captain Lou said in his review of the show. During this match, Atsuki is apparently doing a lot of Satoru Sayama spots. And it seems like he's probably doing that ahead of going into the Budokan against Tiger Mask, which is just really compelling. And I thought that was a cool thing that Captain Lou pointed out. So I wanted to mention that. And this is actually where I wanted to uh, mention Nikon Lee and the way that she refs. Mm -hmm. I love her. She often reacts very loudly to what she's seeing between the wrestlers and she's very expressive, which I think is great. And she's very physical and very fast in her refing as well. Um, It's very entertaining to watch. And like I said before, I'm always thinking about what Parasu refing will look like when Wada and Shinaga retire. But I think that Nikon Lee is really uh, one of the best of this newer gen of refs and it's just great that we have her and I just like when I was watching her in this match I was thinking about that so I wanted to know how much I appreciate her work but yeah Asuki picking up the win here was um great they had a great cl- closing uh, stretch in this match excellent suplexes on Kodama that just was really fucking awesome and it's funny because Asuki and Yuma have done well with Jake as like a trios but Yuma and Asuki don't really win that much lately as just a tag by themselves they've actually taken quite a few losses this year by themselves so it was cool to see them get the win here because Otsuki has to be the dominant junior challenger going into the Budokan all Asia tag title match was next Voodoo Murders Toshizo and Minoru defeated Takao Omore and Ryu Inoue in 12 minutes and 41 seconds to retain the belts this was Inoue's first title match and I thought he did a fantastic job Granted, he got beat up a lot, but his comebacks had a lot of fire behind them and he made the most of every moment he had. The training with Amore must have really helped him. Amore played the veteran role perfectly and he got some really close pinfalls. This match could have done without the cheating and ref bump spot, but what do you expect from a Voodoo Murders match? After the match, Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamora came out to challenge, but they weren't the only ones. So Tanabe and Yu Izika from Great showed up to challenge. Minoru picked the great pair as the first challenges, and that match will happen in a great ring. I loved this match. I really did. I thought that uh, Inoue and Amori were had good, like good chemistry. You could definitely see where Amori had taken Inoue under his wing, and um, Inoue looked very like heavy on fighting spirit, which I'm always a huge sucker for. Just uh, takes a lick and keeps on ticking like that kind of uh thing going on and I I just really enjoyed that and I actually thought Toshiso looked really good this match and just uh beat the piss out of of the kid and it was good and I enjoyed it I'll be the dissenting opinion and say that I didn't like this as much as I wanted to like it I thought it was fine I thought it was fine I thought that you know, I, I really do like, anyway, working with Takao Mori. I think that's a very important relationship, very formative relationship. And I really like Toshizo in this, too. I thought that the Voodoo Murders team worked really well. But I just didn't like this in execution as much as I wanted to for whatever reason. Yeah, I think I was actually, I, I don't like that Minoru had COVID and couldn't perform. And that's why we ended up getting that singles match between Takao Mori and Inoue. But mm-hmm. I liked that much more than the tag match in the end so there you go yeah the singles match was much better than the tag i thought i think minora actually just had a fever i think oh he didn't have covid he just had the fever i think so yeah well either way he had to get pulled off and we ended up at the singles and that's definitely the one i preferred i still preferred this but that's okay 
Jake Lee, Suji Ishikawa, and Hokuto Amore defeated Suwama, Taru, and Kono in seven and a half minutes by DQ. This was basically the voodoo murder, same old bullshit match, ref bump, weapons. It was funny seeing Taru and Suji go at one another since the only thing I could think of is like, imagine if Suwama had a violent giant reunion with Suji instead of a voodoo murders reunion with Taru. Anyway, Voodoo Murders knocked down the ref and we had all of them, including Toshizo and Minoru, beat up Jake. This brought out the Ayagi brothers who ran in the ring and cleared house. Yuma asked for a 5v5 match and got it. So we had Jake Lee, Suji Ishikawa, Hokuto Amore, Yuma Ayagi and Asuka Ayagi defeat Suama, Taru, Kono, Minoru and Toshizo by DQ in 1 minute and 57 seconds. Super quick, but the fans were going absolutely nuts for this. Every single hit that the face team uh, hit, they were cheering so loud. They loved it. Of course, this ended in a DQ with a big brawl. Taru threw a fan's bag in the ring, which I didn't like at all. Like, don't touch the fan stuff, especially a bag. You don't know what's in it. Susie was holding it up like it was like a sixth member of the team. Backstage, Hokuto Amari posted a pic of the five and called them the main unit. So we have a new faction. Yeah, I was a big fan of all of this. It was like one of the most exciting parts of the tour for me. We were definitely wondering for a while where the partnership between Yuma, Jake, and Atsuki was heading. And we kind of got our answer, which is really great. And we were wondering what was going to happen with Hakuto Omori and like if he was going to have any opinions about Jake <laughs> hanging out with other people and like what the hell is going on with Total Eclipse. And we still don't really know what's going on with Total Eclipse. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll get some answers. Uh, Koji Doi and uh, Kuma are coming back for Budokan. So no, the um, day after. Oh, they're not even coming back for Budokan. They're coming back for the <laughs> day after. So... <laughs> We're not getting any clarity on this, but I don't know. Maybe we'll get some clarity around Total Eclipse. It seems like Total Eclipse is probably no more. Now we have a main unit army and this is the group. And I, and I think it's awesome. I mean, we had talked extensively like several months ago about wanting to see like Ishikawa Goon. And we kind of got it, but not really. Like he's not the central focus. It really is like Jake's sort of group because like they go out to his theme. He's like the dominant figure in it, which is kind of interesting, but... I love the way that this panned out. I'm a huge fan of these guys all working together. Clearly, you know, in, in uh, the development of having, you know, calling something Seiki Goon, having a main army, you are establishing that, you know, or they are establishing that they need um, a unit that's going to fight specifically against voodoo murders. And some of the comments that people like Otsuki have made after this, like they are, they, they believe they are fighting against evil the evil that is voodoo murders. So that's what we are establishing. You know, we're, we're still on that path to establishing, you know, voodoo murders versus all Japan and all Japan and now main unit are going to be trying to overcome voodoo murders, Suwama, what have you. So it's effective in that way. This was just a lot of baby face drama. Jake sold a chair shot like he'd been shot. You know, a lot of that type of stuff. Suwama was so violent with that ref, which was nuts. That's also the ref that, through this tour and through the last one too, if he's in the ring and it's a voodoo murders match, he will watch the voodoo murders guys do any heinous thing and let it happen. But if the baby face guys try to get in the ring, he will scream at them. And that's like the, the logic breaking thing of voodoo murders for me. So I don't know. It's just funny because it's always around that one ref. If you see him, it's going to be a clusterfuck of a voodoo murders match. 
but yeah, this works for me. And that one like suplex that Suwama hit on uh, Yuma towards the end was um, fucking awesome. I'm just going to say that too. Yeah, this is a lot of what we were talking about with that feeling of high fantasy that you have uh, these prominent figures in all Japan banding together and forming a little uh, crusader force to fight off the forces of evil. And it's uh, very cute, very um, warming. It makes you feel happy to see and you want them to succeed. It's very classically baby face against classic heels. And uh, there's really nothing better than that. Like that's really as much as you can ask for out of your high drama uh, sort of almost soap opera, but in a very uh, fun anime-esque way. So I really, really love this. I was almost in tears watching it. I was just very excited. Kento Mihara defeated Cyrus in seven minutes. Kento took a hell of a lot of punishment here and bumped like the absolute madman he is. This was short and that's really all it needed to be. Kento won with a dodgy looking pin, which weirdly isn't the last dodgy pin we will see from him on this tour. (laughs) Cyrus did beat Kento up after the match. This worked. The crowd was super hot for this match. When Cyrus swept Kento's leg on the apron and then powerbombed him on the, into the post, that stuff got huge reactions out of the crowd and it actually looked pretty damn good. I thought this was going to be built much like most of Kento's matches and Cyrus would dominate Kento for a good portion of the match where Kento would make his big comeback and it would be like built like pretty much how, um, you know, a lot of Kento's like triple crown defenses are built. I thought it would just follow the same formula, but it really didn't follow that formula at all. As you said, Jesse, like he won by like this super dodgy flash pin, putting Cyrus over big time in his win. Um, Kento really had to dig deep to get that win. So that's really interesting. But Kento is also the right guy to do that type of stuff with. He just loved getting thrown around for that time period. He won, you know, the ace won, whatever. But Cyrus got to look like um, like a real dominating force in all Japan going up against their ace and like basically nearly winning until Kento just kind of like squeaked out that win. So super, super, super interesting. Yeah, I dug this. Yeah, it was great. I actually didn't register it was as short as it was. And I actually think that's a really good thing because I was just really engaged with it. And uh, yeah, I thought this was a fantastic match. I really enjoyed it. And uh, everything Alicia said was definitely very, uh, very, very relevant. The way that um, Kento just made Cyrus look very strong, even in defeat. Um, He won because he scraped by. And uh, yeah, it nobody suffered from that match. Nobody looked weaker. And that's really what you need out of a good um, debut tournament for Cyrus is that he looks strong even as he loses. In the main event, Yuji Nagata defeated Shotaro Ishino in 14 and a half minutes. A couple of days before this match, Ishino tweeted out why this match was so important to him, saying, Nagata Senpai, who was an examiner when I took the New Japan Pro Wrestling entrance test 10 years ago, I have never forgotten how frustrated I was when I failed the test. I couldn't watch my favorite wrestling for two years because of my frustration. It took me three years to become a professional wrestler. It took me more than five years until I met Nagata Senpai again as a pro wrestler. I never thought I'd have this opportunity to have a singles match. And in my position with All Japan Pro Wrestling, the emotions I felt at the time, the frustration, the setback, the despair, it's still one of those things that drive me, but that is not enough. I have to win to break free from the past 
I'm going to get a win from Eiji Nagata, I will definitely win. Really, really drove the story. He unfortunately didn't win, but it was still such a great match. I really liked this match. It was so hard hitting. Both men were trying to get their submissions in, the arm for Nagata and the leg for Shino. The last ankle lock that Shino had locked in had me believing that Nagata was going to tap. And when Nagata got to the ropes, that heartbreak on Ashino's face was devastating. Afterwards, Nagata invited Dan, who was at ringside, to do the Nagata dance with him, but it looked like Dan didn't know any of the moves. Kento came out, and to everyone's surprise, he made up his own dance. I could not stop laughing at this. It was hilarious. Yeah, I definitely thought that ankle lock at the end was was it I was very excited I had not watched this spoiled and the only bit I knew was that Kento advanced I did not know that Ashino had lost and because of that uh, tweet I really was sort of torn on who I thought would win this and uh, that goes back to what we were saying about like the Yoshitat story and Ashino's story with uh, Nagata it's really about his history in New Japan and what that means to the all Japan roster. And so you'll, you'll definitely can see that. And um, yeah, that, that heartbreak on Ashino was really incredible. I thought the storytelling was really good. I just think it's really funny the way that Ashino's storyline in the Royal road last year was like, Oh, well, my favorite manga character got eliminated in the second round of his tournament. So I want to see if I can, make it through and then this year you have this second round which is just about utter heartbreak and disappointment and it just really shows off the um (laughs) the strengths that uh Ashino has I thought it was just very funny that he can sort of bounce between these uh the comedy and then also all this high drama so it was just a very good dramatic match yeah this is definitely one of the better stories of the tournament and I really want to see this run back. They looked great together. We've talked extensively about Jake and his wanting to go to New Japan and not getting selected for the G1 for whatever reason and not being able to necessarily um, figure out what exactly happened there. But um, seeing Ashino with Nagata and how great that match was and how they worked together stylistically. And, and Ashino did a great job on the... New Japan, All Japan joint show as well. I mean, it's not just Jake that I want to see working with some of those, some, not all, some of those New Japan guys. You know, it's um, it's Ashino as, as well. And, and I think that uh, working with Nagata this way, you know, I'd love to see that match run back. It's the type of match where wouldn't it be incredible if Ashino got to go over? And it's been a long time since like the promotions have done things like this, but wouldn't it be incredible if Ashino got to go over and um, have a match with Nagata at like Wrestle Kingdom? Like, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be a fun way to get your win back? Wow, I need that. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not feasible, but it would be really, really nice to see Ashino have those opportunities to work more with Nagata, to work more with other select New Japan people. So yeah, I really dug this and I'll be pulling for Ashino to get his win back. Day four was on the 16th at Hodogaya Public Hall. Suama defeated Ryu Inoue in three minutes. Poor Inoue, he gave it everything he had, but there was never going to be a way he would win this. Suama wasn't even bothered to take the triple crown to the ring with him. He probably thought this match was beneath him. He was very angry at this, being in the opener, saying this was a conspiracy by Wada. I don't know why he thought Wada did this, and that Wada can go to hell. Suama also announced on the 20th, it will be X day for Wada. 
Shrojo Ishino and Ruki Honda defeated Dance Mora and Hikaru Sato in 9 minutes and 10 seconds. Tajiri, Cyrus, and Yoshitatsu defeated Suji Ishikawa, Izanagi, and Ren Ayabe in 9 minutes and 49 seconds. I love the entrance when Suji and Ayabe were just so confused about what the hell Izanagi was doing, just standing there with his arms crossed. <laughs> but like good friends, they joined him. Mm-hmm. It was a fine match. Um, nothing really outstanding. I thought it was very, uh, very cute just watching them uh, interact with Izanagi. <laughs> it was yeah. there was a, there was a lot of personality going on in this match. I actually really, really liked this uh, six man. It was fine. It was but like that whole interaction in the beginning is what really makes it like. I think that Shuji's like comedy and his timing is sometimes like uh, I guess maybe underestimated, but like he is sometimes just really funny at reacting like in the moment to something and just like going with it. And he's it's a strong suit of his. And Ren Ayabe has such a soft, like demure kind of uh, aura to him that you don't really expect him to go along with these kinds of things. So when you see it, it just really, really, um, it's endearing. It kind of is just extremely charming on him. So I really, I loved it. I like that he gave a little glance to Suji, like we're actually doing this. Like we're really just standing here folding our arms. (laughs) He went along with it. Yeah, it was very (laughs) cute. I'm very endeared to him in general, but especially during this match. We had the Gora TV title match. Toshizo defeated Black Menso Ray in just over 10 minutes to retain the belt. Two voodoo murder matches in one day and no cheating or shenanigans. It is real and it happened today. <laughs> I thought this started slow but really picked up towards the end. Black Menso Ray got a couple of really, really close three counts that had me on the edge of my seat believing that he would actually take the title from Toshizo. Yeah, I really like this match. Um, I think I mentioned it before and Alicia actually said that she doesn't, um, she has trouble determining whose voodoo murder theme is whose and I'm the same way. And I just like realized that Toshizo's theme is really, really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite themes, like full stop, but it's a really good theme. I actually really like this match a lot. Um, I thought it was really fun. Like I said, I've, I've become a Toshizo fan. Uh, over this month is I really really like him he's um, got some some hard hitting hitting stuff and then um, Black Mansurai he was fun I feel and Alicia had mentioned this before it's like I've, I feel like I've seen this match a million times over just because Black Mansurai is always in the Gower TV title picture but I, I thought it was a good match yeah this definitely wasn't my favorite like Black Mansurai um title challenge this year i thought that his match against um sato was the better match this was still fine i really like toshizo now so i'm just you know enjoying my time liking toshizo (laughs) and again like rachel said it was nice to finally figure out which theme was his because that theme goes hard and which theme was suwama's as well like now we have a determined like okay this is suwama's and yeah Yuma Oyagi, Asuki Oyagi, and Hokuto Amore defeated Kento Miyahara, Ryzen Haito, and Oji Shiba in 14 minutes. Like we've said before, all the next stream Oyagi six-man matches have been so much fun, and this one's no different. The Oyagis and Amore came out together in matching t-shirts, and I will admit this was so random, but it made me happy cry. Like, just seeing Omore not forgotten, which I thought he would be, when Jake started tagging with the Oyagis, and he was just so happy, and all of them did this stupid, funny pose. I loved it so much. I don't think it's silly. I thought it was extremely cute. So, yeah, I would have happy cried, too. Now, they were uh, extremely 
cute and chummy and I love their little pose. Um, them sort of looking at Amori as he uh, did his his weird little kiss that he does to the crowd and them following suit, being as hammy as ever. I liked um, Otsuki's reactions to the new Hayato during this match was absolutely hysterical. Um, Hayato hit his flirty little pose and Otsuki just kind of like looks awkwardly at him and looks at the camera, throws up a peace sign. Uh, they, they had as good as chemistry as ever, but there was also that undercut of like, you, you okay now, bro? Um, sort of that tension, I guess. Like they never don't have tension, but it was, uh, it was definitely a very new layer. It was very funny. And uh, yeah, Kento was almost louder than ever when um, when yelling for Oji. He had called him Oji-kun in the previous match, and now he just dropped the kun, and now he's very familiar with him. So he was just shouting Oji, Oji, Oji over and over. Um, it, was, it was almost excessive even for Kento. I thought that was very funny. But no, I thought this was a great match. A very much, like you said, it's always uh, always something going on in the Yaoyagi and next dream world. So you never want to miss them. <laughs> He's not the only one that like develops like a habit of just screaming at OG either. So but he does it. Yeah. Poor, poor OG. I don't know what's going on backstage, but they're just <laughs> he should stick around just so we can see how it evolves because it'll yeah. get it'll get bad knowing this roster. <laughs> poor, poor OG. But yeah, agree, hard agree with everything that you guys have said. I'm just uh like Jesse said, I'm thrilled that. Hokuto Amori has sort of found a good place for himself. He really needed to, to kind of move into a babyface role. And he's, um, I think, going to do exceptionally well with that. And, it, and he is, uh, we've talked about it before, but he is very dedicated to Jake Lee, in a, even in a shoot sense. I think the pictures of them when they're really young. And um, and Amori was like sort of just like a young boy. And Jake was, um, you know, he was like, he would accompany Jake to the ring even then. Like, those pictures are really nice. And like, they just have had like this relationship now for several years. So it's nice that they keep them together, but then I think Omori gets to move into a role that actually suits him better. So through this, you can see that it'll probably work out really well for him. Kento didn't even acknowledge Hayato's new look. I thought he might like a little bit, just like look him up and down, but no, didn't even really care. But I love that they have their own pose now. I don't think it was their own pose. Like, but Hayato sitting down on the ring and Kento's with his arms out, listening to the crowd clap, his little um, clap chant, I guess you'd say. And Oji Shiba's just behind them, you're like giving the peace sign, like, yeah, I'm here too. Like, don't forget about me. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of interesting chemistry going on between uh, both teams here. Uh, some a little more functional than others. But uh, yeah, it was it was very funny that Kento just, business as usual with uh, Rising Hayato. Maybe he already knew the real him, so there's no surprise there. Um, they did shake hands after the match, so it looks like they're fine. And I was talking about this with Alicia. We were saying, like, Hayato and Kento are the perfect team. They're so self-absorbed. They love themselves. They're just perfect together. Naoya Nomura defeated Takao Amore in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Nomura was absolutely ruthless here, attacking the arm of Amore all throughout this match. I like this one. Amore got beaten down a lot, but had some really nice comeback moments. It was like an old man trying to teach some punk kid some respect. <laughs> I think that this match worked really well. I liked them working together. It's funny because Nomura approached this match like just as heated as we've seen him in previous matches. So it really drives home that 
yeah, like there's heat between him and Yuma and there'd be heat between him and Jake and heat between him probably and Kento, right? The former Next Dream members. But it's not really just about that either. Like there's something there, I think, where he is proving himself to all of them, even someone like Takao Amori as well in um, these exchanges. So it's interesting. But yeah, the uh, there was a lot of arm work in this match too. And I thought that that stuff was really effective here. So yeah, this was just very enjoyable and a good tournament match for Nawara. Jake Lee defeated Takuya Nomura in just over 15 minutes. It's funny that last month I was saying it's a shame that we didn't get any Jake Nomura interactions in their six-man tag. And this month we get a whole 15 singles match. I thought this was good. I'm probably in the minority, but I don't think it was great. They never really pushed it into second gear. Their strikes were really nice. I really liked them. The selling of the arm by Jake was great, but I thought their round one matchups were better. Wow. This is like match of the tournament for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was my favorite <laughs> match. No, it's it's so funny. It's so interesting. No, I thought um I thought Jake Lee's arm selling was fantastic here. I mean, I'm with you on that one. Um, I was I was definitely I was afraid of that. And um I thought that Lee targeting the neck was good. Um, like it was, it was just a good match. It had to be a boring person. It had good psychology, but it, it did. It was very easy to follow. And um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really tense and yeah, I, I really, really love this match. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. So it's interesting that you should say that, but it would be interesting to see them go at it again and see if they could kick it into that second gear. And then it might be the match of the year for me. <laughs> I thought this was so good. I loved this. This was like, a, I would have a hard time, I guess, choosing between this match and Yuma and Nomura as probably my favorite matches mm-hmm. of like, which one would be my favorite match of the tournament. I loved this. I loved like, you know, like Rachel said, like to be boring about it, the psychology of it, like it just, just made good. sense. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think in particular, that's a strength of um, uh, Takuya Nomura in particular, that like the way that he works a match, I think that's like really his strength that came through. But I thought Jake was just so on point here and these two just work together so extremely well. And it could have gone very badly. It could have gone very flat because this is, um, I think very much a styles the, the way that they both work a match is very different. So I was a little nervous going into it that it wasn't going to work and they weren't going to mesh. But this worked out for both of them, I think, just so well. And what I did love afterwards, too, I feel like all I do is give reports on what these people are doing on social media. But I do love that, like, Jake was so happy about how this match went. Like, he immediately posted, like, <laughs> like he clearly had, like, a fan photographer's pictures and he just posted like literally like frame by frame like the entire match with Nomura and his Instagram stories and was like very chatty about it on Instagram or rather yeah on Instagram and also Twitter actually uh, after so it's just nice when you can feel how much Jake or really any wrestler just like knows that they did a good job and like really enjoyed the match so just something fun that I noticed about how he reacted after he won. Yeah, I mean, I think that's valid. I think that adds to the match is that you want to know that the wrestlers enjoyed it and that they're proud of their art and that they're happy with the match they gave. And that definitely added something to it when I was watching this because I had already known, you know, that he he was very, very happy with how the match turned out. And I, I could feel it. I could feel that energy. So no, I think that's an extremely valid thing to do. And if you haven't seen that match, then uh, check it out and let us know where you fall 
on uh, on the scale if you think it was a, a great match or if they could have done more. Day five and the last day of the tour was on the 20th at Corican Hall. The finals got an audience of 820, which is up from last year, but you have to realize there were 13 other events on that same day. They had Stardom, a G1 special from New Japan, Great, N1 for Noah, and DDT's biggest event of the year, Peter Pan. Dan Tamara, Hikaru Sato, and Rocky Kawamura 2 defeated Sushi, Andy Wu, and Black Manso Ray in 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Last year, when Kawamura wrestled in All Japan, he was Rambo Karamura. It's just a fun fact. This man, I don't really understand his characters, but he seems to be having fun with it. Jake Lee defeated Takao Amore in 5 minutes and 46 seconds. Amore takes Nayo Nomura's spot, who was supposed to face Jake Lee, but had to drop out due to testing positive for COVID. It was nice of Amore to get this opportunity. He did a lot of legwork to Jake and made the most of this very short match. A lot of people thought Nomura would win and move on to the finals. Do you think that was the plan? I thought so because when you look at Jake's record with Nomura, Jake had the complete advantage over Naoya. So I was expecting Naoya to upset Jake and go in against and go in against Kento. And that way you'd get the other side of the uh, former next stream drama and establish something between Kento and um, Nomura, because if we're thinking about who might walk out of the Budokan as champion, and I think a lot of us are hoping that it would be Kento going over evil executive director Suwama, then you, you know, potentially are rekindling some of that stuff between Nomura and Kento as well. So I did think that it was likely Nomura would uh, be picking up the win there and moving forward into the finals. Yeah, I felt it was almost too neat, like too clean of a story. I definitely thought that they were going that direction with Naoya going over uh, Jake and it'd be a very, very interesting story in and of itself. And it leads to Naoya versus Kento, which, you know, opens up more stories. And I do think that there's still room to do that. And I think that they are going to do that. It is unfortunate that uh, Naoya had to miss the show. Uh, this, this match was pretty all right. It was very, very short. And I do think that the audience was kind of hoping for um the the, yeah for Amori just for you know that warm success story the uh the old man going over and you know the face of a miracle kind of thing so that kind of not really took the wind out of my sails but it it did sort of take away from the match a little bit because I personally wanted Jake to keep going and there was a little bit of a disconnect there but otherwise you know I thought they both did a pretty good job I'm with Rachel. I mean, I thought the match was fine. I know that there were a lot of people hoping for the sentimental win for Amori because we're in the 50th anniversary year. Jake, of course, hit us with a heavy tweet. Another social media report. Jake hit us with a very heavy tweet earlier in the day because when um, we got the news about Naoya, it was heartbreaking because it's not it's not just that it was Naoya who got sick and needed to take time to get better. Is also that this has happened to Jake again, because this is not the first time that it's happened to Jake, mm-hmm. that it was a significant match had to be changed because someone has gotten sick. And it's just like another really bit of bad luck against Jake and like just a string of, of bad luck. And it's just so unfair that this stuff tends to happen to him. And he did, I'm going to read the, uh, the translation of the tweet that I ran through Deeple. But he said um, after this announcement that Naoya was going to have to come out and he'd be facing uh, Takao Mori. He said, I seem to have a connection with such things. My opponent is Corona. The title match has been changed to a three-way and the final of the champion carnival is being held at a no-show Corrigan Hall. But in such situations, it is always me who stands last. So... 
for, and I, you know, I'm obviously very biased. I'm a huge Jake Lee fan, but reading something like that, it's, uh, there was no one else that I could have been rooting for to at least get into the finals. So, yeah, but, uh, the crowd in this was definitely, um, they were definitely hoping for a Takawa Mori win. So that definitely was, uh, interesting, uh, going into the, uh, result of that. Kento Miyahara defeated Yuji Nagata in 10 minutes and 48 seconds. I thought this was fun. It was nothing crazy, especially since one of these men had to wrestle later in the main event. I did breathe a sigh of relief when Kento got the pin. I was like, okay, Nagata's not going to be main eventing or Japan's biggest show of the year. <laughs> Just like Omori worked over one of Jake's limbs, Nagata did the same working over Kento's arm. I don't really like to point out mistakes in the ring, but the ending was super rough with the Frankensteiner and then the pin by Kento. I don't know if Nagata miscommunicated something with Kento, but it wasn't the best looking. I would like for these two to have um, have another match in another setting, like not a tournament match, just a match one-on-one. I think that could be really good. I completely agree with you, Jesse. I thought that the ending did look a little rough and I was expecting something more because I thought the buildup to Kento and Nagata, like it was, it's weeks of buildup to get to the singles match. So I was expecting something much more. And like Nagata had had two really good matches coming into the match with Kento that we, you know, I thought we've just, you know, we just discussed it. We thought we were, were really, really good, but it's, the Kento match was not his best match of the tournament. It was definitely, I think probably Ashino. So yeah, definitely expecting something a lot more. And again, that ending did look a little rough. So I do hope that at some point they face again so that we get to see, I think, something with a lot less pressure on it. But obviously I think that for most of us watching it, it really wasn't about the match quality necessarily at that point. It was about making sure that Kento was going to pin him. Yeah, I I think I had so much relief that Kento won that very little else mattered, Um, especially like towards that ending. I just really, really just wanted Kento to win. And I was, I think I tweeted that I was so relieved that it took me a, good solid minute to register that like oh the finals is jake and kento wow um just because i was so just happy that we weren't working weren't looking at a nagata final i think this was a a natural step up but i agree it didn't really live up to um i guess the hype or the build that they had been building um you have this storyline of nagata being a um a force to reckon with because of his connection to new Japan. Kento's almost just kind of immune to that. Um, he He's so confident that he doesn't really feel that pressure and they could have done a little bit more with that. I feel. Yoshitatsu, Cyrus and Tajiri defeated Ryu Inoue, Ren Ayabe and Suji Ishikawa in just under nine minutes. I will forever love when Suji teams with the rookie Inoue. He'll always run to the ring with him. Like he's a rookie himself. Suji was wearing the main unit's new blue shirt and needed help taking it off, which was also funny. And just one thing I want to point out is, thank goodness, the main unit doesn't have like their own logo or something. It's just a blue shirt with all Japan logos on it because I have enough faction shirts which have disbanded. Now I don't need another one. Suwama, Taro, Toshizo and Kono defeated Shotaro Oshino, Ruki Honda, Yusuke Kadama and Sego Tachibana in 11 minutes. Ashina and friends finally have revealed their new unit name, Gungnir of Anarchy. According to Google, Gungnir is a spear Odin in Norse mythology uses. So now my only thought is I need Ashina to have a big entrance at the anniversary show, dressed like Odin, holding a spear, but still wearing sunglasses. Kind of like when Okada had their entrance with a big buster sword. 
that needs to be Ashina's big entrance. I love the spot where Goa put on their sunglasses and delivered four in-sync dropkicks to Taru, then posed for it. And for once, a voodoo murders match didn't end in a DQ. But unfortunately, this was another match impacted by COVID. Referee Kohei Wada was pulled from this show due to poor physical condition and later tested positive for COVID. Suama was saying in the lead up to this show that this day will be known as X Day for Wada. We're not sure exactly what he means by that. Maybe we will find out or maybe we won't. But yeah, I think uh, Gunir of Anarchy is a fantastic name. Um, It's very, I don't know, it's not what I expected, but it's very them. It's a little... Are you sure it's not what you expected out of a team that consists of Ashino and Honda? (laughs) Maybe you're right. It it's one of those where it's like nobody could have ever guessed it, but it could never have been anything else. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's exactly what it is. It's they all sat around and threw around names for a few hours and started throwing out different uh just different words, probably pulled up like a Norse mythology Wikipedia and just started like shouting out words until something stuck. And it's just perfect. It's it's very them. I think the whole look is good now they're sort of developing stable moves and spots which have always been you know floating in the air but now we're we're working towards it like you said with them all putting on their sunglasses at the same time it's it's just uh works very well it's it's very funny and i'm all for it near vanity let's let's go for it next up was a video package showing upcoming budokan matches and special guest appearances for All Japan Mania, which will be held the next day. The matches announced were Sawama versus whoever wins the Royal Road, Tagamas versus Asuki Oyagi, Yuma Oyagi versus Christopher Daniels, Hokuto Amore versus Minoru Suzuki, Suji Ishikawa, Kohei Sato, Ren Ayabe versus Cyrus, Jun Sato, and Rei Sato. Announced for AJPW Mania were Tagamas, Nagata, Christopher Daniels, Black Tiger, Taru, Toshizo and the Saito twins, and also Yuma Anzai. Also showing up at the show is Koji Doi and Kuma Arashi, which is very exciting. We haven't seen that team in a while, and it'll be interesting to see what they do since they were a part of Total Eclipse, but the faction seems to be done. Kuma and Doi got a big cheer from the crowd. They loved it. They're excited for them to come back. Yuma Oyagi, Asuki Oyagi, and Hokuto Amore defeated Oji Shiba, Ryzen Haito, and Takuya Nomura in 12 and a half minutes. What can I say? Another fun Oyagi six-man match. Yuma basically launching Oji over the barricade was a crazy spot, and Oji is absolutely insane for taking that. Mori yelling D4C and copying Jake's finishing move, even going as far to cover Haito for the pin like Jake, was a really nice touch. After they won, Yuma basically ran out of there since he was on commentary for the last match for Samurai TV, I believe. Oh, God. This one. I thought that, like, Yuma was going to kill Oji. And he still might. Does worry, like, perfectly, like, clipped this so that you could see, like, the way that, like, Yuma was screaming Oji and then launched him over that barricade. Why Oji took that bump is beyond me. That was insane. But this was fun. Like Jesse said, it's like a it's what you can come to expect from an Aoyagi six-man. And everyone got their their spots and their moments in. Nomura being a part of this also made it super fun. Yeah, it's great. It's not, it's, it's obviously it's the, you know, it's, it ends up being the co-main before the, the final. But don't skip it. It's still a good time and it's still something you should watch. Yeah, I love um, honorary next dreams. 
uh, Takia Nomura and Oji Shiba sort of getting saddled up with Rising Hayato, but I thought they all worked pretty well together. And yeah, I have nothing to say that you guys haven't said that bump was absolutely insane, but I think everyone got out of it okay. It was just very all Japan flavored in a very good way. Oh, one more thing. Hayato is doing a lion salt now, which I don't think he's yep. done before, and it's absolutely beautiful. He nails it every single time. In the Royal Road Finals, Kento Mihara defeated Jake Lee in 22 minutes. Their entrances combined went for nearly as long as the match itself. These two love a dramatic entrance. This was a great match. Of course, they didn't get anywhere near the level that their last singles match was, but it was still very enjoyable. Jake stealing Yuma's play dead spot was perfect, especially with Omori on the outside, like banging the mat, like, you know, praying for Jake to get up. And I believe that Yuma first used it on Jake in the 2021 Champion Carnival. So that's a nice little <laughs> note. Jake in the D4C legit had me thinking he was winning. The ending stress was absolutely insane. Afterwards, Kenzo got on the mic and said, Jake, you and me, we have a destiny. You and me, we will make all Japan bigger. So Wama came out and offered one more time for Kento to join Voodoo Murders. Kento declined and was told to go to hell. Afterwards, Kento did the Kento dance probably for the last time since he said he was shy, which is the biggest lie in the world. Kento is anything but shy. <laughs> he's annoying is what he is. <laughs> he's, he's shy like Shingo Takagi claims he's shy. <laughs> that's the exact energy. Like, oh, I, I, I don't want to talk he anymore. said that. Says it all right. he's and then so he just annoying. goes on talking. So yeah, he and uh, Kento and Shingo are are two peas in a pod on that one. It's wild that we got another Kento and, and Jake singles match so soon after the resolution to mm-hmm. to their to the crux of their rivalry. Really, yeah, it was my birthday match. So there's that really great birthday present. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really liked this. This is not my favorite Jake and Kento but I still really enjoyed it. And what I thought was really interesting in it, besides that Jake did the play dead spot, which was scary watching it because he did it for so long. I was like, is he actually like, are we not okay? Like, what are we doing here? What I thought was interesting is that when Kento had him on the outside after he he like put him up and then brought him back down on the barricade and then Jake was selling on the outside and Kento got back in the ring. He was immediately like trying to count for the ref and like being kind of a dick about it. And then during the, during the play dead spot, I was trying to figure out what he was saying, because when we watched Yuma do it the last time, he was trying to get Yuma to get up, watching him do it here. He wasn't trying to get Jake to get up. He was trying to get the ref to come over and raise his hand to call the match. And that's what he was really doing when he had Jake on the outside selling over the barricade as well. And I think that that is an interesting sort of development that urgency there and I think it's because they're coming off of Jake having beaten him finally for the triple crown so that update to their relationship where now in those moments Kento wants the match to end because he's afraid Jake's going to get up and beat him so I think that was just really interesting to observe in his behavior in that match but yeah otherwise I did I did really like it I watched it back again and, you know, I thought it was a good match between them, but just not nearly as strong as what we saw back in June. But I I mean, the emotional impact was incredibly different, but I was really um, very happy to hear Kento's comments to Jake too, in terms of, you know, 
they have a destiny and they're going to make all Japan bigger. Those are the kind of comments you want to hear from your ace and talking to his rival. And, you know, it's, it brings up a lot of the things we've been talking about, you know, the things that we want to sort of see for the former, uh, the former next stream guys moving forward. So I think it's only, it's only good things from here. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, You said it really well that we're really um, lucky in some ways to get a uh, follow-up match to their match in June uh, where you can see those updates in their relationship and in their rivalry where now Kento sees Jake as more of a threat. He's a little bit afraid. He doesn't want to lose because he now, you know, sees those cracks in himself. He sees his own vulnerability and I think that was really interesting. And um, yeah, the the ending speech where he really just is very gracious to Jake and uh, carves him out to be, you know, the future, both of them carving out a future for all Japan together. I think that's a, a really huge thing. That's very, very important. I mean, you can't be a wrestler without a rival. So full stop. So that's um, just a really good thing for Kento to acknowledge. And it means good things for all Japan. Now we move on to August notes. On the first day of the tournament, All Japan was showing off a tiny 3D model of Suwama. This was so adorable, but at the same time, it was the funniest thing. All we need now is a picture of Suwama holding little Suwama. On the 24th, a number of All Japan wrestlers participated in Great G Pro Wrestling version 31. Kendo defeated Tetsuya Izuchi in a three-way match. Haito Tamura defeated Dan Tamura and Rising Haito. The three men in the three-way seem to have formed a team and now are looking for a team name. All Japan has announced they will hold a special show in October called The Spirit of the Champion. It will be held in All Japan's founded Giant Baba's hometown of Sanjo. Kento Mihara attended a cosplay show dressed as Luffy from One Piece. The pictures are great and I would recommend looking them up if you have not seen them yet. He did a really good job. He walked a red carpet. It was cool. <laughs> All Japan has announced that Stan Hansen will be attending the Budokan show as a guest for the Suwama versus Kento match. He was supposed to attend an All Japan show early in the year, but had to cancel due to COVID. And All Japan has held the Royal Road Conference at the start of August, so it's kind of old news, but we have to go over the fashion. Who was your best dress? I'm not going to lie to you guys. Oh, no. It was Yoshitatsu. <laughs> I knew it. Um, because, listen, this conference to me a lot of people wore what they always wear. Like Jake wears the same shirt. Honda was in the same suit. I'm pretty sure that Ashino was also in a suit Mm -hmm. that we've seen him wear. So there was a lot of repeat outfits. What Tatsu did was, I think he just wore, if I remember correctly, because I don't have a picture pulled up, he wore jeans and I think a t-shirt and like he maybe had on like a blazer or something with it. I can't remember. Maybe it was just, it was just the, the jeans and the shirt, but I remember so clearly that he wore the jeans. And to me, like in being so underdressed compared to everyone else wearing the normal clothes they always wear to press conferences, that looked awesome. Tatsu looked good. Good for Yoshitatsu. I, I like Honda's look the best. It's evergreen to me. Like it's and until someone really, really shows up and shows out, that's probably just going to be my winner. Yoshi Tatsu, he wore a blazer, but he had his belt over one of his shoulders and his mask. What, what color shirt did he have on? Was it black? Yes. Black yeah. with like a little print on the front. I can't see what the yeah. print is though. He looked fucking good like that. Like he just looked like really nice and being so underdressed. Sometimes that just works. It's like when like Mara Fuji used to wear a lot more 
suits and stuff. And then he stopped doing that. And now he wears like jeans and a Noah shirt and a blazer. And it's like, that's the look sometimes, you know, Tatsu made it the look. It worked for me. And he stands out the most. Everyone's just wearing their suits. Yeah. Um, Asuki looked pretty good. Yuma's always in that blue suit. So he gets minus points. So what's coming up in September? September can be summed up in one word, Budokan. It's the first time in 18 years since All Japan has held a show there. The card so far is Yuma Anzai versus Yuji Nagata, Masanobu Fuchi, Asushi Onita, Shiro Koshinaka versus Great Kojika, Yoshiaki Yatsu, and Maso Inoue, Yoshitatsu, Tajiri, Mitsuya Nagai, and ATM versus Black Manso Rei, Izanagi, Sushi, and Andy Wu, Suji Ishikawa, Kohei Sato, and Ren Ayabe versus Cyrus, Jun Sato, and Rei Sato, Hokuto Amore versus Minoru Suzuki, Yu Aoyagi versus Christopher Daniels, Jake Lee versus Joe Dorin. The All Asia Tag Team titles, Dan Tamora and Hikaru Sato, will verse the winner of Minoru and Tojizo versus Soma Watanabe and Yu Izuka. Junior Heavyweight Championship match is Tiger Mask versus Askeriyagi. World Tag Team Championship match, Shoto Rishino and Ricky Honda versus Takao Amore and X. And in the main event, Triple Crown match, Suwama versus Kento Mihara. So yeah, there's a couple things to talk about. We had sort of hinted at Takawa Mori's ex-partnership and who that could possibly be. Obviously, I think the general consensus here is that we would like it to be Jun Akiyama. So yeah, that's a, a big hope. And the only other person it could really be for this would be Soya. I would not hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Not a bad choice. It's just we, you need think, to have Jun Akiyama on the 50th anniversary card for All Japan. So that's where it would fall a little flat. So I just can't imagine that he's not bringing in a meaner old man than even him to come be mean to Ashino and Honda. You've absolutely said it. I think the storyline points towards mean old man. Takao is acting like a mean old man right now to the other two so I think that we should get someone who matches to me it just it has to be it has to be Akiyama I didn't even think of Soya and you know I'm a huge fan of uh, Manabu Soya and I would pop very very hard to see him but um no in in my mind in my heart there's nobody other than the great bald man himself and that's Jun Akiyama outside of that I think the most exciting match for me, when it was announced, was Jake Lee versus Joe Doring. That is like a match that is, was specifically designed to keep me happy because I'm still sad that we lost out on seeing Jake Lee versus Naya Nomura. So I get Jake Lee versus Joe Doring, and that makes me so happy in so many ways. Like, I think that's going to be the one that I look forward to the most. What about you guys? I mean, we'll see how the uh, tag team championship shakes <laughs> out, but that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. And um, definitely looking forward to Otsuki walking out as junior champ because in my heart, that is that is what that one is going for. But as far as just match itself, like, oh, wow, I cannot wait to watch this match. I'd probably also say uh, Jake Lee and, and Joe Doring. Yeah, I agree with Jake and Joe. I'm also excited for Hokuto Amore's big match against Minoru Suzuki because I never thought yeah. that would happen. It's a big nod. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that anyone was um, disappointed with? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think me and I you think might have the awesome. same disappointment. Uh, yeah. I feel like you're feeding all of us to, uh, to say <laughs> the same thing. Uh, yeah. Just go ahead. I think, I think we know what you're about to say. Well, I'll say something, two things. First, I don't understand why they made Maiden Unit to 
verse voodoo murders and not have any main universe voodoo murders on the card. And secondly, Yuma versus Christopher Daniels. I don't get it. I think Yuma's kind of stock has dropped a bit since he won Champion Carnival. He versed Suji Kono at Champions Night 4, which didn't really have any build to it. And now he's versing Christopher Daniels, which doesn't have build to it. It could be a big nod for Yuma versing Christopher Daniels, who has never wrestled in All Japan before and having Yuma be his first match. But I don't, I don't get the match. Sorry, I just don't get it. No, I'm with you. Like this, like, I know that, uh, I know Christopher Daniels. Like I've seen Christopher Daniels live. I've watched many of his matches. I've watched like his heyday in Ring of Honor. I've like seen him in current day. Like Christopher Daniels is, is a good wrestler, what have you. It's just that he doesn't have any uh, connection or history with this promotion. So to me, for Yuma, the, the, the youngest champion carnival winner in history, to be going into the 50th anniversary Budokan show and to be facing someone who's an outsider of the company with um, no real connection to the company, that's where it just falls super flat to me. And I know that, you know, Christopher Daniels has a name in wrestling. I know that people, you know, hold him to a certain esteem because he's been around for, for so long. He's a veteran. You know, he has uh, quite the history with, with places like Ring of Honor. And I, and I totally, totally get that. But it's just not the match I was envisioning for Yuma in any way, shape, or form. I would have just preferred Yuma to be facing someone within All Japan. Um, I think even like Awaris match really works with like him facing um, Minoru Suzuki, who is like a former Triple Crown champion. Like you have that, and that's why that match works so well. That's, I think, what I would have wanted for Yuma if Yuma couldn't have been in the main event. And that's why it doesn't work for me. So that's my thoughts and my feelings on Yuma and Christopher Daniels. It just falls a bit flat for me because Christopher Daniels has no connection to all Japan. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, I'm also with Jesse where I don't really understand why we had all that build that high fantasy as I was speaking about, and you have this huge stage to tell this epic story and they didn't capitalize on it. And instead it, it just feels like they are instead capitalizing on Christopher Daniels name, even though he doesn't really have history on this 50th anniversary show. It, it's very much exactly as you said, and it's um, a little disappointing. Yeah. I'm, I think that you could do better with Yuma and I think you could do better with the story that they have been telling full stop. I do think to Jesse's point in particular about like not seeing VDM versus all Japan on this card, it is it is really weird. I have a feeling, and, I, and this, who knows what this is going to look like, depending on who wins the main event, because we we kind of think and we kind of hope that it's Kento. It might not be Kento. It might not be, right? I think for AJPW Mania the next night, that's where you could end up seeing more All Japan versus VDM. So that's where I think you're going to end up seeing those storylines get picked back up. Is it weird? that you get like a, like a, we get a weird break from the VDM stuff on this card. Yeah. But I think that we're going to potentially see it the next night, which I believe that card is at Corican, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, that's right. A couple of things I want to mention. I just realized now Rising Haito and Rhea Inui aren't on the card yet. They could have a single match. It's possible that can happen. And one thing I just remembered, who I wanted you to face was Naoya Nomura. Nomura said, I want one more match. They've each won one. This right. would be the defining match. But mm, I'm like, it's interesting to think about like with the timing of Nomura getting sick and we thought it was likely he would go to the finals. It's weird though that, because, you know, I think he'll, he'll, 
I'm hoping that he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be able to recover from COVID in the normal time period of recovering from COVID. He could still make it for this show. So where is Naoya Nomura on this card, right? And where is Hayato? Hayato should be on this card. So that's where I, ha- I still have some questions. It's, it's, it's likely that we still have some announcements yet to be made, but I'm interested to see where that kind of lines up. I will be very disappointed if Naoya Nomura is able to compete and he's well and he's not on this card. And obviously we have to keep an eye on what's happening with WADA to make sure that he is well and can also be on this card. Now for question time. Callan, Marianne asks, I wonder if Suwama puts Kento over at the Budokan. I mean, he is the Tanahashi in this situation. I struggled with this comparison of Suwama to Tanahashi because I feel like we are very far beyond a time where you could make the comparison of Suwama and Kento to Tanahashi and Okada, let's say, if that's what the uh, person posing the question is kind of going for here. Do I think that Kento has a chance of beating Suwama for the Triple Crown at the Budokan? Absolutely. I think there's absolutely a chance that he will defeat Suwama. Um, I don't think that in reading this the way that uh, it's sort of worded, I don't think it's an issue of Suwama putting Kento over. Kento is an established ace within All Japan. All Japan has two aces. They have the old ace and the young ace. That's been fairly established for a long time. I just don't read Suwama as the Tanahashi in the situation. And I think that it's been so long and they've had this rivalry for so for ages now. Suwama and Kento are Suwama and Kento. I think that they're sort of peerless in the story that they've told together and the way that they've held this company together for, for as long as they have now together. So yeah, I think I'm understanding the question, but if you're wondering if Kento has a chance of, of beating Suwama in the Budokan, yes. Kento has defeated Suwama before and he can do it again. I think that there's a good chance that, that Kento could do that, but I don't think that the comparison of Suwama to Tanahashi in a situation is actually a fair comparison for where Suwama and Kento are in their relationship with each other, their rivalry with each other. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. Um, there's definitely something to be said about comparing the rivalries uh, between these two big aces. Um, in both companies, but I don't think that where we're at right now is quite um, at a point where Suwama could even put uh, Kento over. Maybe if there were a unproven ace um, going against Suwama, that wording would be a little more relevant. But no, I, I do not think that uh, Suwama is the Tanahashi in this situation. But beyond that, um, looking at the question, is that I do think Kento is going to win. That's just, you know, a personal uh, preference, personal belief. I know you put it out there, Alicia, that he might not. Um, And you pointed out that um, AGPW mania might be pointing towards a storyline with our evil executive director himself moving onwards from Budokan. So it could go either way. That's going to be great when you watch the match. There's going to be a lot of tension in that match because it, it, there really is no um, solid say on who is going to win and who is going to lose. And that is what makes um, Suwama and Kento's relationship and rivalry as special as it is. Dr. Jonathan wants to know, do we think there'll be cheering allowed in the Vodacon for the anniversary show? I hope so. Like, fingers crossed they do. It needs to be special. And we can see from the Shinkiba show this month just how much cheering helps the show and makes the show 100 times better i love cheering i love the streamers i miss streamers so much so fingers crossed it does happen yeah i hope so um i'm not quite sure 
what the rules around cheering are yet, especially with the Budokan, a lot of it is um, venue specific, but um, if they're operating at limited capacity, they have been allowing cheering more and more. So it's hard to say, uh, we won't know until they announce it, but fingers crossed, they are going to announce that. And I always love seeing the wrestlers reactions when they find out there's going to be cheering at the show. Uh, so that's a, another little bonus point towards uh, hoping that they're getting the cheering because I, I always love seeing their excitement. Zavi asks, when is Suji Ishikawa getting his thank you one defense run as Triple Crown champ for being a gold this year? Ask Tajiri. I think that Tajiri <laughs> has all the answers there. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of one defense runs either. We just came off of a very hard one def- uh, zero defense run. So I don't know. <laughs> It'll be on July 2024, Zavi. You just set it in your calendar. On July 2024? Yeah. <laughs> and you just get ready for that. It's going to be really exciting. It'll last for maybe like a month and a half and you're going to love it, Zavi. No, um, yeah, who knows? But he did do really well this year to sort of bring the conversation to what uh, Zavi was saying is that, uh, yeah, he's he's making a really good case for um, for an MVP when we do our uh, awards at the end of the year. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. Right. But yeah, he's he's been a real standout. He's always been good, but this year he's definitely been great. Yeah, I'm such a fan of Suju this year, like in big matches like versus Kenzo at Champions Night 3. I thought that was amazing. In tag team matches with the rookies, I think he's still amazing. He's just having a great year. If he's Triple Crown Champion, I'm not going to mind. No. It'll and be he, fun. Has a, he has a great relationship with people like Ayabe. Like you could tell that he um, cares quite a bit about working with those guys. No, Shuji's great. If he gets the belt back on him sooner rather than later, I won't necessarily complain. But, uh, yeah. Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks asks, do you think we are getting wild burning for the tag title challenge? I think we can all say yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. I actually have a question. Huh? It's kind of a two-parter. The six-man belts, they're basically nothing now. They took them off Yoshitatsu and his friends, basically. They've disappeared. Do you think they'll ever make a comeback? And if they do, who would you want to put them on? I mean, Gungnir of Anarchy. Because I want them to hold every belt in this company. <laughs> them are like, you can throw them on main unit. Like, why wouldn't yeah. it? Why wouldn't you want to see Yuma, um, Omori, and Atsuki Ooh. hold them? I think that oh. would be fun. And then you could have some really great tag matches between them and Ashino's group, you know? Like, I think that if you're going to bring those back, we got to stop shuffling them onto, like, the lower mid-card guys. Start getting these belts onto the upper mid-card who aren't really doing all that much. I think that that stuff could, like, Yuma, like, all right, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. Yuma, since winning Champion Carnival, like, it would have made so much sense for him to have had titles like that with his partners, right? Or to have had, like, the Gaura TV title. Something to do that is just about Yuma. So he could have gone out and just had banger match after banger match to keep him front of mind after having the achievement that he had and becoming the youngest champion carnival winner. Like that to me is what he should have been doing if they weren't going to have him as a major part of the Budokan. That way when he's, you know, at the Budokan and having um, a match, if he was like defending the Gaura TV title against Christopher Daniels, I could probably look past the fact that it's Christopher Daniels. If you 
Yuma was having like a title match on the card, right? And raising the stock of that title at the same time. So that's where I feel like if um, All Japan's going to bring back the six-man belts, put them on guys where it's going to mean something a little more. And we're going to start raising the stock of those titles and give them to people like Yuma, where if Yuma is going to be shuffled around a little bit and not always necessarily in that main event mix. And granted, I think that can change at any moment with him. If he's not going to be a part of that main event mix right now, give him titles that he can elevate and make something his own. Yuma would excel at that. 100% agree. Yeah, extremely hard agree. You give that belt a lot more personality and really revitalize it. I could not agree more. That belt was treated like a jerk. It was just, it was really disappointing because you have all these people that you could have put it on. You can bring it back, put it on main unit, put it on um, Goa. Even like when they had the six man tournament, if they put it on Strong Hearts, who won the tournament, that would be mm-hmm. fine. And even this three man um, unit that's come out now from the great show. With the Ryzen Hayato, Dan Tamora, and Hayato Tamora would be great with it. That would be such an excellent thing. Like That's Dan, really um, our Dan, Dan uh, Tamar could really use that at this point, right? Like that could be something he really makes his name on. He needs something that he can really make his own. If all Japan wants to have all these little titles, they have to start doing more meaningful things um, with them. And I think that that's, uh, that's something they have to start moving toward. And uh, if they're not going to do it this year, they've got to do it in uh, what year are we moving into? 2023. <laughs> And that's actually a really good point um, to use those belts in Glate because they have, you know, a little bit of a working relationship here and there and there and here. And Glate doesn't have a six man yet, I don't think. So um, they can sort of play around with that and use it almost to bridge the two companies. And I think that would that's a working relationship that can benefit both companies um, straight up. So I think that would be a really interesting way to go with it. Thank you for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72. You can follow me, Alicia, at Sharanui Kai with two eyes, and also follow me and Rachel at Kickout299. And you can follow me, Rachel, at Milky Star, that's M-I-I-K-Y Star. And please make sure you subscribe to us on your preferred platform, leave us a review, All those things really help us as we continue to grow Talking Triple Crown and Kickout helps more people find us. So please make sure that you do those things for us if you're enjoying the show. Thanks again.